somewhere in a remote, uncharted region of a planet called Earth. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And remember, my friends, future events such as these will affect you in the future. Time and space. Contact has been established. We now transmit you direct to... Tales from the Silent Planet. And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to Atop the Fourth Wall. We're bad. No, that's somebody else's channel. That's not this one. This is uh, Tales from the Silent Planet. And of course, I'm Daniel, and I'm joined by the intrepid, the intrepid, the wonderful Eric Hawkins. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing great. It's Friday. I'm, uh, I'm home from work. My one day uh, a week, I actually go into the office. The rest of my work from home. But it's going good. Yeah. Well, I am I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. And of course, you're doing well because your Zombiful World of Oz comic book on Kickstarter is fully funded. Yeah, and I so, funded in one hour and 28 minutes. Man, I know because I kept sitting there going refresh, refresh, refresh. That's awesome. And, and how does that compare to the first two campaigns? So this is the third book uh, in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this how, is the thir- third book. The first uh, book funded in seven days. Uh, the second book funded in, I believe it was like four hours. Four, four hours, six hours, something like that. It was, it was fairly quick. And this one, uh, you know, just the one hour and 28 minutes. So I was pretty happy. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. I, I of course, am a, a big fan of these books. And I, I have read them and enjoyed them and highly recommend them. And the link is in the description for anybody that wants to, uh, to check it out. What, uh, what do you think has been the key to gain to keeping people's interest so a lot of people will launch a a comic book on these crowdfunding Mm -hmm. websites they'll they'll go independent they'll they'll put out a comic book and then they have trouble getting those same people to go to the next book but you've managed to not only keep people but it seems like gain people why why do you think that is Uh, i think it's uh is because they keep coming out on time and i keep Mm. you know talking them up that uh you know and people see that you know i like the Wizard of Oz. They see I like drawing. You know, I'm I'm on Chester Busby's channel every week, drawing every week on a you know his little right. competition there. But yeah, I, I talk it up. Um, I've gotten the bo- both books uh, shipped out on time. First two campaigns. Uh, plan to with this one as well. And uh, I've done I've done some other art for some other people that their campaigns have come out on time. So yeah, I, th- I think it's you know people find me a, a somewhat of a reliable artist too. Right, get stuff delivered to them building up that goodwill with people by mm-hmm. actually delivering what you you yeah. promised what a what a radical idea for it's crazy sale, selling things i i bought it because i had sort of gotten to know you a little bit and i i yeah. bought the, the first one and i you know i like the i like the the oz world the the, the world of, of oz as it were but i wasn't too sold on the zombiful part I'm not huge into zombie stuff. Most of the zombie stuff, I'm like, nah. I remember the other day, I think you were watching 
channel. I was like, oh, I hate zombie stuff. And somebody's like, except for when it's in the world of Oz, right? And I was like, oh, he doesn't have that. But why, why, um, well, why Oz, man? Why and why zombies? Let's let's just let's just go uh, there. Yeah, well, we'll start. Okay. Um, first, it started out being a uh, comic book about uh, circus freaks. That's what I was going to be. I seen this music video and kind of inspired me to do like circus freak comic book. I'm like, that would be kind of cool. People might dig that. And then uh, as I was designing the characters and uh, you know with the top hats for the ringmaster and all that, it started to look steampunkish. So then I was like, well, maybe I should do some some steampunky. <laughs> then I've always liked the Wizard of Oz, and I think it was probably around the time it, it came on TV, and I was watching it, and I was like, oh, hey, I think that's in public domain. Well, if I do a little twist on the Wizard of Oz, where it's steampunk, I redesigned the characters, um, and then I caught The Walking Dead, which I'll be, I'll be honest with you, when The Walking Dead comic came out, I'm like, oh, good grief. When is the zombie craze going to stop? I'm sick of zombies. Right. <laughs> and then, then I, uh, so I didn't pick the comic book up. I didn't watch a show when it first came out until like a year later, I think I, uh, my brother had bought it on DVD. It was like, Five bucks, you got the whole season because there's only like eight episodes. Mm -hmm. And I watched it, I actually liked it. I liked the first seasons. And uh, so I started reading a little bit of the comic book. I was like, oh, you know, zombies would be kind of cool. Uh, how can I incorporate them into the Wizard of Oz and the steampunk thing? And then I was like, uh, oh, I got it. I got it. I know where the zombies come from. And I was at a convention just two weeks ago in uh, Hannibal, Missouri, birthplace of Mark Twain, by the way. Okay. And uh, I was explaining to uh, some of the people coming by, and there's this one kid, he's probably in his uh, mid-teens. I was telling him about the story, and he right away figured out where the zombies came from. And I've never told it uh, to anyone, really. And it's, I mean, it's going to be in the third issue. You'll find out why. I was like, yeah, that is exactly where they came from. Yeah, because that's one of the things I've, I've been waiting for in in the story it's like okay how did this what's going on exactly what's happening so there's been a lot of uh, cool moments and sad moments and everything and just two issues where i'm already i'm already hooked and, and engaged in the story but now i'm like i want to know the secrets what's going on and uh, you've done a, you've done a good job and apparently the youngsters are able well, to figure thank it out you. So. Uh, well i'll tell you about the issue three if people don't cry at at least one of the scenes i've done something wrong with the writing oh man Ah, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I too watched The Walking Dead, like the first episode, and I had, I had read the comic. I bought like yeah. the big compendium of mm -hmm. the that they sold in the first one, and I read it, and I was just all right. I was like, all right, I'm done. I don't have any interest in this. And then I watched like half of the first episode, and I was like, I'm just, I'm done with zombies. And one of the things that I liked about your book is that it's not so much about the zombies, but it's about these characters around the zombies and the zombies right. are, you know, they're not, they're not like the, the big problem, but at oh, the same no, time, not at all. but at the, but at the same time, one of the, the things that I think happens with zombie stuff too op often is like, there's, and it's just like a soap opera that plays out in a zombie apocalypse. And, well, that, that can be fun for a little while. I got, I just get tired of soap operas and, you know, to have a villain that's like, yeah, I, there's villainous things happening around the zombies. Yeah. I'm on board with that. 
it's not oh, too cool. soap opery. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, the third issue is it's it's very light on the zombies. Well, there you go. What well, it goes it? well if if anyone if you've read issue two, um, Dorothy was kidnapped. Right. Princess Ozma was already kidnapped. Uh, the Lion Scarecrow and Tin Woodman, they're a they suck at being you know the heroes and right. keeping Dorothy safe. So kind of their their job. Yeah, yeah, they're not doing too good. So it starts out kind of dark, and you know they gotta, they gotta go get the girls. Nice. Well, what what kind of inspires you when you when you are uh, writing and coming up with these plot lines and everything? Is there are there things that have inspired you outside of the obvious, like you know zombie fiction and and the world of Oz itself? What, has there been anything that you would say, you know, this I've I've definitely learned from? It could be thematic. It could be story-wise. Is there anything like that? Uh, you know, well, you know, I spent most of my younger years reading comic books. So, you know, that was inspirational back in the 80s and mostly. So, I, you know, I take from a lot of stories from there. But, you know, uh, uh, man, I guess it's just, you know, movies and, and comic books and music. Um uh, I love listening to music when I'm, when I'm drawing and, uh, you know, it depends on what I'm listening to, what comes in my head when I'm writing stories. Um, a couple of the scenes, I, uh, they just came to me while I was driving home from work <laughs> in traffic. And, and the reason I say that if that doesn't make some people cry when they read it, I've done something wrong because I started to tear up when I was writing it in my head. <laughs> so what, uh, what was your, your big comic book that you, you had to get every week as a kid? Oh, it was Uncanny X-Men. Uncanny X-Men. And G.I. Joe. There you go. Yeah, oh, you're, you're a big G.I. Joe fan, are you? Where's yeah. the proof? Well, there we go. There you go. I know some people in the chat will recognize that. Uh, I'm, I was a kid. That was a tattoo that I, I thought, well, if I ever get a tattoo, I'll get that. And then, of course, as an adult, I've, of course, chickened out, and I'm not, I'm not cool enough to get that tattoo. Well, uh, I've got three tattoos. One covers uh, a good portion of my back. I got one up here. Uh, but I always had a rule that all my tattoos would be uh, would not be visible because I, I work in an office most of the time. And uh, when I turned 40, I said, well, I don't care anymore. I've wanted this tattoo <laughs> since 1984. It's just some lines. It's nothing obscene or anything. Right. Again, I don't care. I, I can imagine, though, somebody looking at it and being like, what? They don't know. They don't know. Why do you have a brick idea. wall on yeah. your arm? That's why I get all the time. It's like, uh, the, but the, the people that give you the nod, like, yeah. Oh, like Ming Chen from the comic book men. Oh, yeah. He saw <laughs> been see Yeah, when I saw him last, uh, at the, the con a couple weeks ago. He he had already seen my tattoo when I came up to him and gave uh, gave him the books and had him look through them and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, man, anything for a guy with that tattoo." Nice, <laughs> nice. So, Uncanny X Men. If people don't know that, would it have been Chris Claremont writing that and uh, yeah. some John Byrne art in there? I'm sure. John Byrne, Silvestri, uh, Lee. Towards the end, uh, who else was doing? It? There's all kinds of great. Uh, there's all great artists all through that run because I started. Uh, 213. I got 213 on, uh, but I caught a few issues before that because, you know, I was a young teen and, you know, right. what the comic shops go to is if I caught it at the gas station. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> right. So what was it about that comic in particular that you, that kept you coming back to it where it was like, I've got to try to look for that at the Seven Eleven. It was, a. Uh, it was, you know, the comradeship of the team. I mean, they're, mm. 
they fought as a team. They had troubles and, you know, someone always after them. And, uh, and uh, Claremont's storytelling was just, I loved it. Uh, detailed and it just kept me coming back. I wanted to read more as soon as, if I want to read more when I'm done with a comic book, it's good. Because I've bought a couple comics lately. I didn't want to read anymore. <laughs> right. I, that's the danger of, of, of crowdfunding. You know, I haven't gone to the comic book shop in a really long time. The, the, the most recent time I went, it was because Aaron Lopresti was at a comic book shop not far from where I live. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll go over there and see Aaron because I watch his stream a lot and, and talk to him. And he wanted me to come out there. He's like, oh, you better come out there. You better show up. And, All right. So I went out there and, and met him in person. And... Uh, that was the, the that was the most recent time I've been in a comic shop for like ten years, and uh, but the thing about independent comics is you don't always get the opportunity to read through it, you know, to leaf through an issue in the comic book shop. Right. I can pick it up, I can look through it, and I could decide, oh, you know, I, I like this. This looks good. I'm going to pick it up. Yeah. Whereas with ind indie comics, you don't have that opportunity. And something that you've done is you've put out the first issue for people to read through. Mm -hmm. um, they can look at it and they can get a sense of story of what's going on and i think that is i think that's a pretty decent thing to do to give people an idea of what's going on because so often i've gotten a comic from these crowdfunded sources and i'm just like oh if i had only known if i'd been able to read something prior to this i probably yeah. wouldn't have got it um, yeah i've gotten a few like that uh but the zombie for world of oz number one i waited until about it was six months after i had uh, fulfilled it and i put it on webtoon for free mm -hmm. Broke it up. That's a lot of work. Tear your comic bag down and put it out there. I was going to do it with two, but I haven't done it yet. <laughs> it's just too much work, and I got too much to do. Uh, and then I put it on Comics Underground for free if anyone wanted to download it there. Right. Uh, so they, because I was getting ready to launch number two, and if anyone wanted to read it, they could see what the story was about, see if they like the story, see if they like my art. You know, it was just a. Uh, I think it was a good decision to let people know what they would be getting. Because, like you said, you can't thumb through it. You don't know what you're going to get. I mean, right. Most of the time, a lot of these crowdfunding things, I mean, the images they put up aren't even in the book. It's like they've just done promotional images and mm -hmm. put on the, the, the site. Right. And unless it's somebody who has a pedigree doing things before mm -hmm. this that you can have an idea. Right. You know, otherwise, you're just looking at pretty pictures. And we know what happened when it was just about pretty pictures, uh, the industry, and it didn't, it didn't end yeah. so well. So what, what made you want to draw comics? So you went from being a person that, that read the G.I. Joe, read the, the Uncanny X-Men, got the other the other comics you liked, and then you had interest in, in drawing. What what led to that point? Well, I've always I've always drawn as, as far back as I can remember. I've always liked to draw. And then uh you know, like especially like Garfield. I draw Garfield mm -hmm. all the time. I don't know why I was obsessed with Garfield. <laughs> I was drawing him for everybody when I was a kid. Uh high school, um I started uh drawing uh you know characters comic book characters for people for like a quarter piece <laughs> really low commission rates at that hey time. man yeah. <laughs> when, when when comic books don't cost all that much that's that's a good chunk of change oh yeah, yeah that's half a comic book right, right. there <laughs> and then uh you know the more i read comics and uh the more i thought that might be something i could do um i like the storytelling i would like to tell a story you know of course you know being a young teen and collecting marvel you know i wanted to work for marvel obviously but obviously with the rejection letters I got, they didn't want me to work for them. <laughs> so, you know, that, I, I kind of just put it on the back burner and, you know, started working. And then I would draw occasionally for people. Then uh, probably about 10 years ago, I started uh, drawing again really hard and heavy and practicing again. And uh, decided, you know, 
uh, it's I probably around, right around there is when I first started hearing about people crowdfunding stuff. Mm. I mean, it was, it was, you know, real small back then, but I was like, well, if I can't get in with a company, uh, maybe I could do something with my own characters, do my own book where I have complete control. Right. And then, uh, I'll be the boss of myself. So that's, I decided that Oz wasn't the first book I wanted to do, but I thought this was the first book I could do. Zombies, a well-known property right. that's in public domain. They can't get me in trouble unless I do something stupid. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> that, some red shoes get, in there and <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that would get me some recognition. People right. uh, see my art, see me realize uh, what I can do and stuff. And then maybe I can move on to my own comic book, you know, like universe, but you know, I need I, I need a little help with that because drawing and writing everything yourself is kind of it's kind of laborious. Right? Yeah. Like it. I, I don't know how many projects I've started at this point, but I did the first thing I did to just try to get back into drawing when I decided, you know what, I'm going to try to do something was a webtoons thing called Peter the Problematic Person, and mm-hmm. it's like even even the stream of consciousness like ideas that I I do for that. It just takes so long to try to like actually come up with something that is com- yeah. any co- kind of compelling. And then anything outside of that is, it's a lot of work. And I applaud people back in the day, like Jack Kirby, who was able to draw multiple comics every month and he was plotting them and he was doing all this stuff. And it's like, man, that's a ton of work. It's a ton of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've done, especially with the Oz stuff, I've done research on all the books uh, that Baum wrote. Yeah, not the ones after that, but there's a lot of creepy stuff out there. And I want to try to stay as true to the characters as I can and just make the story more of a continuation of the, you know, the books. But that's a lot of research, just reading. Well, see, I I like that. That, So I think a lot of people, they they want to use Sherlock Holmes. They want to use Mm -hmm. one of these public domain characters. And instead of looking into the source material, what's been told before, what do we have as a a base to grow out of. They're just mm-hmm. like my ideas of what the characters are instead of trying to be true to them. So you actually went back and you, you looked at those books, you read those books, you researched them and tried to get an idea of what you thought the characters were as bomb represented them in mm-hmm. the world. And then you tried to grow out of that. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what the, some of the things that you've discovered that may not be uh, too, too spoilery for spoilery for things coming? Uh, well, um, you got, uh, Princess Languadir, who uh, she, she won't show up in this book, but she's going to show up in future books. I got plenty of books coming on or in my head. Uh, she, she, if you saw Return to Oz, mm. the movie, mm-hmm. which I didn't actually see that one until a couple of years ago. Same here. Uh, so they have Witch Mombi in there who switches all of her heads. Yeah. But that's in the books, it's Princess Languadir. Okay. Who switches. And Mombi's a total different character. Mombi is a. Uh, the witch that had uh, Ozma, who the wizard kidnapped Ozma because she was the true, true ruler of Oz, gave her to Mitch, uh, Mitch, Witch Mombi, and Witch Mombi turned her into a little boy. <laughs> and so he could rule Oz, so the wizard could rule Oz. Uh, so the wizard's not really that good of a guy. No, it doesn't sound and like And he, uh, he might end up not being that good of a guy <laughs> in my book. Uh-oh. But eventually, you know, uh, Ozma, and I can't remember if it's Pip or Tip, that was her boy name. Um, he created Jack Pumpkinhead. And in my book, Jack Pumpkinhead has a, you know, he's a, he's a little uh, 
infatuated with Ozma. That's because he created or he she created him. So and, you know, like things like that. You know, if you just saw the movie, you'd never know anything like that. Right. If you saw, you know, any of the other movies, you wouldn't know that. Uh, the Tin Woodman. Uh, he, I think it was Mombi. No, it was the Wicked Witch of the East had cursed his axe. Uh, and he cut off all of his limbs. Yeah, I did know his that body, one. His body was replaced by ten yeah. pieces all the time, and that happened to someone else too. Um, fighter, uh, Captain Fighter. He did say he was in love with the same uh, Munchkin girl that the Tin Man was, and but he had a sword, and she cursed his sword, and he chopped off all of his limbs, and he's the only other Tin Man in Oz. He's he's going. He he might show up in issue four. <laughs> Right, so there's people don't go back and read it, and they only have like the classic movie in their head a lot of the time. And if mm -hmm. maybe they've seen Return to Oz, and it's a little a little bit darker, mm. but they don't realize just everything's been so Disney-fied. Post Disney, yeah. fairy tales and, and children's fantasy stories are a lot more uh, tame, and mm. they're they're not as scary. And you. We think about some of these ideas and some of the things that you've just said right there. Obviously, chopping off someone's limbs—that's a little dark. But uh, turning in, you know, into a boy and all this stuff—and it's like these fears that kids have of of all these things—and and they're able to through this literature think about them in a in a safe way, where the ending is hopefully a little bit happy, where you know Dorothy doesn't uh, get the electro shock therapy or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But why, why do you think, you know, these stories have stuck around in the consciousness, I think mainly because of the movie, but they haven't, no one else has really tried to go and, and do much with them. Or if they do, it's a total reimagination. Why do you think there hasn't been a good like continuation like you're doing or a, an adaption of clearly something that has cultural value? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely, it, it all stems back to the movie um people think they think that's the only thing oz they don't a lot of people don't even realize there's a whole series of books yeah uh so every almost everybody's seen the wizard of oz since they were a little kid because it started coming on tv right. and it just came on every year and now people can own movies and watch them anytime they want uh, but i think that movie has ingrained itself in everybody's mind that that is oz that's the only story of oz um well you know disney tried to do that um movie with uh, James Franco. That didn't do too well. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Um, the Return to Oz, everybody thought that was too dark. They thought it was a direct sequel to the previous movie, but it was more a sequel to the book, and nobody realized that, so it failed. Right. Uh, even though it was a combination of a couple books, and, and you know, uh, a new sequel, not a new sequel, but a new uh, Oz movie was announced and went into production. And I'm in a bunch of Oz groups on uh, Facebook. They don't like you posting the stuff that you're selling them. <laughs> but it's interesting to read uh, all these people are upset because they think they're remaking the uh, Judy Garland movie uh. but they're not going to they are actually making a book a movie based on the book with that won't be a musical and stuff like that so everybody's upset thing is they're trying to remake the the you know original movie right but because uh, people are just that's all they think is out there is the movie it's it's one of those weird things where usually something based on a book it, it it doesn't replace the book most of the time no in terms of it, the cultural influence now, it, may, it might be something that only you know somebody's only seen the movie adaption of something mm -hmm. but the kind of 
the attitude towards the original book still exists. Like we think of, of you know, Mark Twain adaptions or something. The book never gets replaced in terms of that cultural icon being the original book. And so when somebody makes an adaption, no one thinks, oh, that's going to be a remake of this. But that movie was so huge. And like you said, it, it kept being shown on TV and we, kept, we heard all the music and everybody knows the song. And it's like all of those things have become so popular that it's, I, you're right. Like people just don't accept it. Like, no, it's just a remake of that movie. It's like, well, no, yeah. it was a book series before. It was a book series before. Yeah, except Wicked. Everybody seemed to accept Wicked. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> if that's because it was, uh, it started as a broad. Well, I mean, not even a movie yet, but a Broadway yeah. musical, and mm -hmm. so that. Well, it was a book series too. I suppose before that, I don't know, man. It's interesting to think like why something that's so huge in pop culture, like why hasn't it been tried more? Because every few years they make a Robin Hood movie. And there's always oh, yeah. something with Sherlock Holmes and all these other characters, Dracula constantly being used, anything in the public domain, Frankenstein all the time. And yet here's one where there's this rich universe. It's basically, you know, it's a lot like the Chronicles of Narnia. When the Chronicles of Narnia go into the public domain, I would imagine that a lot, there's going to be a lot more adaptions of the work and there's going to be people playing in that universe. But here's one, here's a, a huge fantasy universe mm -hmm. that yeah. has all of these recognizable characters and, and imagery and it's not being used. And it's just, it's, it's interesting to think about at least. And, and, you know, when it is used, you, you don't hear much about it. Mm -mm. Uh, there's a, I think there's a cartoon that came out a couple of years ago and it's on uh, Netflix. Um, once upon a time that a Disney show that was kind of originally supposed to be fables, yeah. but then they said, Oh, they, these are all public domain characters anyway. We don't need fables. Right. We just do it ourselves. They brought in uh, the Wicked Witch, but that was about uh, Dorothy. Might have been there too. Uh, I kind of stopped watching. It got boring after that. But yeah, uh, you know, there's there's been some cartoons. There was a um, uh, what Tin Man? Yeah, was a Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, with, with Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's been some stuff out there, but it's, it's not been popular. And I don't. There's rabid fans out there, so yeah. I don't. Just, I think they just all love the movie, so it's 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 hard to get in. But there's some other comic books out there, especially indie comic books. There's a you know, there's a Samurai Oz, there's a Western Oz, uh, then there's a Militant Oz, and a Futuristic. Oz. Yeah. So then there was the adaptions of the books by uh, for for Marvel. Was the, Scotty Young? Yeah, Scotty Young. I, yeah. yeah, he did those. And I remember I I think I bought one of those for somebody that wasn't really into comic books. So I was like, hey, they they. This might be something they'd be interested in. And I think it's interesting, like with comic books, I think that audience that reads comic books is more willing to accept an adaption like that or a continuation of, of a series like that and not think, oh, it's just a remake of the movie. But if you do it any other any other medium, they're like, oh, what is this? I'm not too sure. I wonder well, why you know, the I difference just, is. I just learned tonight that there was a uh, Oz comic based on the movie. It was, you know, it was an adaption of the movie. They came out in the early 70s, 71 or 72. And uh, apparently it's very rare, but it was published by both DC and Marvel at the same time. Oh, interesting. I mean, their names were both on the comic book. Oh, wow. I had no idea until I was watching a, I was watching this guy. He does a thing, 10 things you didn't know about movies. Oh, oh as well, I'm going to watch this one. <laughs> That's interesting. So obviously the world is huge and there's so much... Uh, there's so much, so many places you could go. There's so many stories to tell within that universe that, uh, and places, things mm -hmm. to explore. What, what is the, uh, 
the length of the main arc that you're trying to tell? What do you, what do you estimate that length to be in terms of uh, the story? Well, the main arc, the mini arc ends with issue three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then it, I'm going to jump off into a one shot with issue four. And uh, that'll be how the Tin Man gets his heart back. His original heart from his flesh okay. body. Because that's what's beaten in his uh, big armored chest and that porthole he has. So I'm going to tell how he gets that back. And that's going to be uh, really based really based on the, the book when he finds his ex-girlfriend. But I'm taking that different twist with him. Mm-hmm. Or his ex-fiance. He was supposed to marry her until he got all rusted up in the woods. Uh, but then I'm going to continue. Uh, of course, you know, I'm going to bring in Gnome King at, at one point. Uh, uh, Princess Languideer. Um the witch, I mean, the Wicked Witch of the West is going to be in it, of course, because, I mean, if you saw, if, if you have issue two, she might show up in that one at the end. <laughs> but she's going she's gonna to have a, maybe a little bigger role in issue three. But that's, it's, I've got, oh, at least 12 issues planned out for sure, and I, I want to do a lot more than that. Okay. Awesome. And you're also working on other comics. Do you want to you maybe clue us in on some of these other things you've been working on or planning to do? Uh, well, um, you know, Secret Comics Presents, uh, with NASA Rabati and, um, Jason Robinson, I did the back cover there for you that. Go. That's still on Indiegogo. You can go find that one. Um, and other comics in my universe, there's a, I want to do a superhero book. He doesn't really have powers, but, uh, he, he might, he might be a little bit of a Moon Knight ripoff <laughs> called the Emerald Scarab, but he looks really cool. And I've, I've got that story in my head. I got to get out. I might, I might find someone else. As much as I like drawing, mm-hmm. I think I like writing a little more. Okay. And I, I might have to find some other people to draw some of this stuff. I've got uh, one character, and this one I probably missed the boat on because he's a, he's he's kind of a vigilante, and he's forced into this because his son got hurt in gang violence. Uh, his name is Silence. The book is Code of Silence. There you go. So he works for a government agency. Does he look like Charles Bronson? Because that sounds like something Charles Bronson would have been in. That could have been. Yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. So he works for a government government agency, but he used to be a field operative. Then he's older and has kids. So he comes back, you know, into the home offices and then ends up finding out that, you know, the the government agency is supplying the gangs with guns. Uh So, and his son gets hurt. So he has to. I had like 24 issues of that all mapped out. Oh, wow, man. See, that's that's crazy. I've got like the first issue of my comic, and it's like, I have no idea what's after that. It's a, it's a, I, I had all kinds of stuff mapped out that I wanted to do at one point, but the probably what I'll do if I don't do the Emerald Scarab right after Oz or in between Oz issues, uh, it might be the Hounds of God, which is basically two werewolves. They're Catholic priests that hunt other creatures you know for the church there you go <laughs> kind of like supernatural but werewolves and they're not brothers but yeah it is based on a guy named theus who was actually an actual werewolf me. yeah he was, thought he was a werewolf <laughs> <laughs> he, t- he told people that you know twice a year he went down to hell to fight off the witches for the harvest well there you go <laughs> man. he was nuts well, so it's based on him. Uh, he's actually the main character. So I figure he's a werewolf. He's immortal. He lives all this time. There he you works go. for the church now. So that's kind of cool. Like, what do you? So do you enjoy that research aspect of it? When you when you do, you, does the research come first in some cases, or or is it something where you you have an idea and you're like, okay, let me support this idea with 
with a nice background, a deep background in history or, or myth or how does that work for your writing well, process? Well, when I get the idea, I can't just uh, go wild at it. I do have to do some research. I have to get some facts straight and do stuff like that. And, you know, I'd say a comic book that made me start researching stuff a lot more and be interested in looking into the backstory of things was uh, it was a cliffhanger title by Image, uh, Crimson, okay. by Humberto Ramos. And it had the Grigori in it and vampires and werewolves. And it was the fact of the Grigori made me want to look into the Watchers and the all the, all the angels and different things like that. So I, man, I spent probably a couple of years just reading all kinds of stuff about that. So it, it's the research ends up becoming fun for me. Uh, and it takes up a lot of time. Uh, that's why, because, you know, Oz... I started this 2000, 2015 is when I started doing research into it and didn't get the book out first issue out to 2019, which I started drawing the book about 2000, late 2018. So, but all that leading up to that was world building, researching all the characters, reading the books so I could be as uh, faithful to the source material as possible. So I, I think that's, noble if you will to uh to put that time and energy into it before you even start to draw so i think a lot of people myself included just like all right i gotta draw where's a character oh there's a character okay let me draw something and uh that ends up not being as good a lot of the time mm. and i think uh i think it's cool to hear someone talk about how much preparation goes into it. And it's not just, Oh, I've come up with something. Let me try to figure, figure it out as I go along. Uh, Papa. <laughs> <little> one. <laughs> oh, give me a flower. Here we go. Oh, uh, that's cute. Here we are. <laughs> uh, I turn something on for you. Yeah. At a low volume. Streaming or does it matter? Okay. <laughs> I've been distracted. I've been derailed from my interview. <laughs> That's, That's okay. Uh, if yeah. you want to see derail, I do a comic book review show on Thursday nights called Comic Book Spectrum with uh, three other guys. Uh, we're all creators. It's on uh, Brian K. Morris's channel or Rising Tide channel on YouTube. Uh, we derail quite a bit. Right, <laughs> and that's what brought me into buying comics again. I have gone out and I pick it, a comic to review and I've kind of stayed away from the big two. I get like image or some smaller studios and uh, um, mostly most of the stuff. If I go that route, I find stuff I've liked. Right. Uh, like this week I picked up an image book. I just not, did not care for it all. And I let everybody know. Right. Yeah. I, when I was buying comics at the store, that would have been like 20 10, 2011, 2012. That was like the big time for me where I was, Mm. Going every week, I was buying comics, and I would I would try out these image, image comics or whatever caught my eye, and I found that most of them I didn't I didn't like. I was just like, man, I this is too esoteric or this is this is too uh, pretentious. I'm not interested in this. Not that they all are, but it seems like I um, oh, this is what I bought this week. Uh, the Good Asian. Okay. And everybody, everybody talks so great about it. It's great reviews, and supposedly it's sold out everywhere. But uh, basically, what I took from it is uh, it's set in the '30s. It's a crime noir story. There's no superheroes in it, but it's uh, it's very stereotypical. Uh, 
and it's written by an Asian guy, but uh, all all the Asians are basically you know poppy uh, addicts, heroin addicts, or whatever. Uh, they're on, they're on the smack, and all the white people are racist. So I was like, done with it. <laughs> right? Yeah. That sounds like something I want to spend my hard-earned money on. Yeah. So the chat says uh, the JLI was more your style. Yes, Justice League International. That's what I like. <laughs> Boost, if it's got Booster Gold in it, I'm sold, man. Uh, go. I'm gonna pick it up. So you better you better treat them right. Uh, yeah, we mentioned fables earlier. What do you what do you think about fables? I really like that. That's a, a series that uh, I enjoyed. I, I didn't read a lot of it actually. I uh, my daughter read a lot of it. I when I, I would read a couple issues here and there, but when I went to the comic shop when I was going on a regular basis in the early two thousands, uh, I was picking it up for her, and she was reading it. She loves it. Uh, yeah, she loved it. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. I'm trying to think what. More could we talk about? What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, that'll change on a daily basis. But uh, if I have to go with a favorite movie of all time, it's based on the first movie I saw in theaters that I can remember seeing in theaters. Okay. Which was Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Which I can I can remember. It, I can remember it clearly that it was me, my brother, who would have been two, one or two. My grandfather, my grandmother, my mom and dad, my uncle, and his girlfriend going to see it all. all that's the only time I can ever remember all of us going to a movie to see a movie. That's the only time I remember my grandparents ever going to the movie to see a movie. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's probably because of that, and it's probably the memories associated with that. I was I was too young to see that in the theater. I was about negative thirteen, so it didn't uh, <laughs> it didn't quite didn't quite to get to see that well, in the theater. I turned fifty this year. Wow, no man, so old. Uh, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, yeah. Well, Star Wars. So, what do you think about all the new Star Wars stuff? Are you are you into the Mandalorian? And I love the Mandalorian. I watched the first episode of ba uh, Bad Batch. I liked that. Uh, the sequel movies, I was not a big fan of. Um, the uh, Force Awakens is okay. The uh, the second one, uh, the Last Jedi, sucked horribly. <laughs> And the third one, uh, I can't even remember the name of it. So, but it was like, eh, it's okay. yeah, somewhere in between. Yeah, I mean, it, was like, it was watchable. Now, when it's made me, it's given me a better appreciation for the prequels. Right? Oh, that's the thing. I, I hate the prequels, and my wife has never seen the prequels, and so we don't. Uh, no, no, no need, no need to go watch them. No need to ever see them. But I'm like, you know what? Maybe I was too harsh. Of course, I know I won't be, because you know when I saw I saw the Revenge of the Sith in the theater, and I wasn't a Star Wars fan. I didn't grow up watching them. Watched way more Star Trek in my life than I'll ever watch Star Wars. But uh, my my friends, they were big Star Wars fans, and yeah. it was one of their birthdays, so we went to go see that in the theater in high school. And it, I remember sitting there, and I never thought about movies this way. I'd always just enjoyed movies and gotten lost in them. And I was like, this is a terrible writing. Like, this script, this is bad. Like, they, these people don't sound like human beings. And I remember thinking this, and it was the first time I ever thought about filmmaking. And I, it's probably... In a in a negative way, George Lucas probably set me on the path, which then made me want to do filmmaking and make make movies and, and talk about film and study it and all the stuff that I've done in my life since then. He did so. He inspired me by making a terrible, terrible movie that was just awful and took me right out of it and said, "This is art. This is artificial. This isn't real." I was like, "Whoa!" His uh, oh, his directing. I mean, because every you know, most of the people in there are decent actors. Yeah, 
but they didn't perform decently. And I think it's his directing, but sadly, I took off for all three prequels, took a day off work, went and saw them during the day. Uh, the, fa- the Phantom Menace, I actually got interviewed by the newspaper as I came out of the theater because it was the middle of the day. And I said, oh, I think I think it's a, it's, he's telling a bigger story here. So this is just the first part. So it's going to be much better. It didn't get much better. No. And now I'm immortalized somewhere in the newspaper saying that. That's all. <laughs> so uh, well, hindsight's uh, 50-50, as I always like to say. Yeah. Uh, wow, yeah, that's that's embarrassing. It's quite embarrassing for you. No, I, I, see, I didn't watch them. I didn't see the Star Wars movies as a kid. Most of my peers watched them mm. as a youth. They saw them when they were real young, and I didn't see them until I was a teenager. And so for me, it's like, yeah, I enjoyed them as films, and I thought they were good stories, and then out's about as far as it's it's ever gone for me. I mm. I own the originals and I uh, I watch them from time to time. I've tried to read expanded universe novel here or there and I've never been able to actually stick with it. Mm. To uh to actually get through the book. Not that they're bad or anything. I just didn't have much interest in it. And so for me the first thing outside of those three movies that I I really liked was the Mandalorian and that's because I saw it as someone actually going to the, not just taking inspiration from star Wars saying, Oh, we're going to make a star Wars movie. But instead they looked at what star Wars was built on. They looked past the, the surface level and like, what was it built on a Western themes and right. sort of Eastern samurai themes yeah. sort of mixed together and like with it for this new thing. And they really doubled down on those elements. And I think that's what worked is because it, it finally felt like there was something cohesive outside of those original three movies. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like uh, Favreau and Filoni seemed to have a passion for it too. I mean, you know, that definitely helps if you have a passion and you're trying to create something, it's going to be better than, you know, someone just doing it for money and they like, like the, the sequels. I mean, I- <laughs> oh, I'm going to subvert the, I'm going to subvert your expectations. I don't want my expectations subverted. I just want a good story. Is that, can I have that instead? Like, uh, you know, I'm a huge Moon Knight fan. Um, I'm looking forward to the TV series when it comes out, but I'm a little worried. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't know. Disney, Disney. as soon as they buy anything, it's like, I'm just like, man, it's probably going to be, it's going to be terrible. And with the, the Marvel Universe, I, I'm first of all, I'm not a huge Marvel fan as it is. Like, enjoy every once in a while the X-Men or... or uh, that's about it. That's about the, all the the Marvel comics I own are just mostly X Men comics. But I, every once in a while, I'll pick something up. Somebody recommend. Like I think you recommended to me uh, Craven's Last Stand. I think that was Craven's uh, Last Hunt. Yeah, Last Hunt. Yes. And I haven't I haven't gotten that's a Spider Man one, but I haven't picked that up. But I plan on it eventually. But for me, it's like Marvel. I'm like yeah, the animated shows I watched as a kid, but mostly I was about Batman and Superman, and mm-hmm. so. The Marvel movies, I've always sort of been, all right, I'm going to see it, and if it's good, I'll I'll say it's good. If it's bad, I'll say it's bad. And for the most part, I'm just like, uh, they're so they're so similar. They're so similar. And then after Guardians of the Galaxy, everything just became Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like every everybody was telling a joke. Everybody had to be had to be uh, cracking jokes and cracking wise, and nothing could be taken serious. And it's like, okay, you have all of these different characters and none of the, all of the stories are the same thematically. There's no, there's no different themes. The thing about comic books that's fun, at least 
my perspective as a DC guy is that you have these books with separate identities and not everything feels the same. Like the world interact and that's cool, but you read, pick up a Batman comic and you don't expect him to be running around in the daytime, like Superman, like punching giant monsters. You expect him to be in a dark alley fighting a a criminal or or doing investigation and things. It's like, there was these different elements to those works with the Marvel movies. It's like, I know there's differences between these books, but it sure does seem like it from the movies. And I'm just, I'm tired of them, to be honest with you. Well, I watched, uh, I saw the trailer for the new Suicide Squad. And uh, you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's what I thought I was watching. I mean, because, you know, yeah. Gunn's doing it. So it seemed like he was right. doing Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy with the Suicide Squad right. character. I think that's what they, they hired him to do ultimately yeah. is they're trying to, to go that direction. And I just... You know, Batman vs Superman is not a, a great film, but I was much more interested in it, and I'm much more willing to rewatch that than I am Thor: Dark World or Doctor Strange or any of these like second, third tier super. You know, I've uh, watched Doctor movies. Strange once. Uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, Dark World, yeah, that one just wasn't that good. But, you know, I mean, it's Thor, though. I mean, honestly, I didn't think they could do anything with Thor if anyone would even go see Thor. Well, so, like, I I always thought that, why are you making it, like, cosmic? Like, why is he more of an alien than this fantasy thing? If they'd gone more into fantasy and less into making everything look technological and, like, oh, we have all these explanations and stuff, just make it this fantasy epic. That would have been super different. Like, yeah. Have it so that he's not trans, you know, going from world to world, but he's in a fantasy setting and he's doing this stuff. And uh, yeah. then, then later on, you can bring in some of the, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, Beta Ray Bill, and and, and things like that. Oh, these yeah. other elements that would be cool. <laughs> but they instead they just eventually went to making it into Guardians of the Galaxy with Thor Ragnarok, where all the Thor stuff is so boring in that, and the only parts that people actually like. <clears throat> are the parts on that, that world on the planet Hulk world. Like that's the part that everybody likes is like, Oh, that you know, they're fighting in a gladiator place and, and Jeff Goldblum's there and it's funny. And then the rest of it's like, Oh, well, what's the overall plot? Like, why is he there in the first place? Oh, I don't know. Do oh, you don't remember the fight with his sister? I was Hulk even got there. Yeah. It's it just yeah. like, there's so many missed opportunities with, with how they've done things. And I, I just like I, Jeff Potts, who watches my show a lot, uh, watches these streams a lot. He he likes Iron Man two and three, and I'm just like I don't even remember. I barely remember what happens. All I know is Mickey Rourke has whips and a bird. That's all I know about the second one. The third yeah, one, the yeah, third toothpick all the time too. Yeah, yeah. And the third one. <laughs> oh, third one's so bad. <laughs> I I don't remember. It's like was the what? Like I, I don't remember what happens, man. I honestly, I I just third one had the, the fake. Ma- uh, um, yeah, the I was uh, gonna say Mandalorian. Me too. But the, Mandarin, the Mandarin. Mandarin, yeah, the Mandarin. And then it's like, well, no, the Mandarin's not Ben Kingsley. It's actually Guy Pierce. And then now, supposedly in Eternals that's coming out, there's actually going to be a real Mandarin. It's like, what? What? Oh, he's going to be in Shang Chi. Oh, that is yeah, Shang. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the rings are supposed to be on his fingers or on his arms. But apparently, the rings originally came from Fing Fang Foom. Which is a giant dragon, anyway. So I guess they would have to be kind of big. So I don't know. I, the, the the toy aisles are flooded with all kinds of toys from that movie, and it's not even out yet. And I don't, I don't. It doesn't look interesting at all. I, I think if you took away the Marvel branding from from it, 
in the trailer. I wouldn't even know it was a Marvel movie. I had no idea. It just looks like a generic action film. And it may be the, the best one ever. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But when I look at the trailer, what I think is generic Hollywood action film, not, not anything special. And it, it reeks to me, as, as someone who hates communist China, it reeks to me as pandering to communist China. It's like, oh, you're saying we can't do, make a story about somebody from China? No, I'm saying there was a lot, there's a lot more properties out there that you could be using. Why'd you pick this one? And then, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, the Eternals director, uh, Chloe Zhao, she won the Academy Award this year for Nomadland. She won it for Best Director. And she's directed Eternals. I didn't know the Oscars had happened. Yeah, they until did. Until like a couple days later, I was like, "What?" <laughs> nobody did. They didn't. Nobody watched them. They were the worst. The worst ratings like, of the Oscars did ever. Movies come out. I don't remember them. And so Chloe Chloe Zhao, who's who's a Chinese American, she has she immigrated from China. She lives here now. She she directed a movie called Nomad Land, which won a bunch of awards, and she won Best Director. And they had Disney had hired her to do Eternals, and it's already in production and it's going to be released later this year. And, uh, the Chinese communist party has canceled Chloe Zhao. She's not even allowed to be mentioned on Chinese social media. So it could be a huge, a huge misstep for Disney who hired this woman thinking, awesome. We can hire this. This woman will get woke get points money. Yeah. And then we'll get the Chinese money because they'll push her because it's a Chinese director. And then she got canceled by the, the Chinese communist party. So we'll see if it even, if it even is allowed to get released. I, I imagine it will, but it would be funny if China's like, Nope, our people are going to pirate it anyways. So I mean, that might be what happens. And, uh, I, you know, I used to watch South park a lot. Uh, I haven't watched it in years until this week. Cause I watched the, uh, the Corona special. Okay. And then, then it made me watch some older, you know, last seasons. And there's like some episodes with, um, uh, Randy going to China to try, you know, get weed business. Cause he, everybody wants the China money. And he runs into Mickey mouse over there trying to get business. <laughs> That's funny, man. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is, and this is like a year old. I'm like, Man, I sure this is ripped from the headlines today. This yeah. minute. <laughs> it's like those guys have been doing that for like over 20 years. That was like 1996, 97, somewhere around there. Because I was like season 24 or something. I was like this oh, hasn't been on for 24 years. And I looked back and like, yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that it's been going on that long. And I think because of the nature of it, that they, they've always been very topical and they, they, they sometimes it, they finish making the show like 30 minutes before it's supposed to air and stuff yeah, and they've always yeah. been like cut right at at the edge of what's happening in the news that show has has maintained a level of quality that some other animated adult sitcoms have, have not really uh, managed to to do it not that i've watched south park in a long time but when i see a clip from it i'm like yeah that seems about the same kind of of show they were putting on 15 years ago yeah 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 it's about the same just current topics i was i was surprised and uh, yeah i laughed quite a bit on the recent one that came out oh wow yeah, but i'm not gonna go start watching it again on a regular yeah. basis <laughs> so are there anything is there anything you're watching right now that you you said you watched uh the new star wars animated show on disney plus uh yeah, Bad i really Batch. liked it and i didn't know you know of course i don't know anything about the characters so it was interesting uh, um yeah, i think there's only one lightsaber in it so you know it, it, it differs from just you right. know all lightsabers all the time so it, you know like the mandalorian there wasn't a lot of lightsaber action in that until you know most recent season but right and well my thing i liked about so i watched bad batch as well and i agree with you 
I try. I've tried to watch the Clone Wars show. I don't know if you've ever tried to if you ever watched that or not. But the original one with the really bad animation. No, the, well, that, that one and the uh, the three D animated one, and I've never been able to because I just don't have any interest in the, the prequel line stories. You know, with with hmm. Anakin and Obi Wan because I hate that. I hate the way that George built that part of the the history and the, and the prequels. I think it's just terrible in the way that it he developed it. So it's not interesting. And then you just get I get bored of the lightsaber battles and, and seeing these Jedi's run around. And the most interesting parts of the originals I thought were there wasn't. It's not like there was Jedi's running around. You barely see any Jedi action until the, the last movie, Return of the Jedi. Surprise, surprise. And otherwise, it's like a, a farmer running around trying to learn how to be a wizard and. And a cowboy uh, smuggler type. And that's the thing about The Mandalorian and then The Bad Batch, which I watched, that it's it could be any any universe, it, 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 except for it's in the Star Wars universe. It, you, could, yeah. you could tell this story of these guys that are finished with fe- battling the war, and now they're done with that war, and yet they find themselves on the wrong side of the people that they fought the war for. And... It, it, there's there's a lot of stories like that, and so I think they're in some way some of these things they're thinking about story first and not universe, and I think that has worked to their advantage with these two. Yeah, well, um, typically you know when the Mandalorian was coming out, I, uh, we watched that every week. As soon as I got home from work, boom, we're eating dinner from the TV just to watch that. Uh, I did enjoy the uh, One Division. Okay. Um, for the most part, I mean, it did, it started out horribly slow. <laughs> no, I I enjoyed the first episodes, and then as soon as it started to get like outside of the the pastiches of sitcoms, I was like, I'm done. This is this is that was when it started to get hard for me to watch. It's like it's just turning into every other Marvel thing. Give me more of of uh, of uh, the, these this sitcom stuff and the the weirdness and that. That's what I was enjoying. But yeah, but I, I as a series, I I end up liking it. Uh, uh, you know, I'd watch the videos about people predicting what was going to happen. I think, you know, too many people built a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Man, there, the was, there was a lot of people like, oh, <laughs> man, it's going to be gonna awesome. Be there. Did you see that? Did you see that little cartoon opening? Right. Ooh, that's, that's the Grim Reaper there. Um, but, you know, I watched um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I, I, I couldn't get say, that. I couldn't get it. I couldn't literally couldn't get past the first episode. I watched 10 minutes of it and I was so bored. I was so bored. I turned it off and I haven't gone back to it. I liked about eighty percent of every episode. <laughs> there, there, there was there was stuff in every episode. I was like, "Stop it! Stop it!" <laughs> well, I, I, so I read a, an interview this morning, and I almost put it into my Fly Fox News show this morning. I actually recorded it, and then I cut it out. I was like, "Ah, it just doesn't fit." But it was about the the actor Anthony Mackie, and he was talking about how they're going to put more pol- politics stuff into the, the end of their work and stuff. And I said, all right, I'm, this is dumb. But something that he said was, I, I found it absolutely stupid was he's like, uh, I think a black man today would have, would have, uh, I don't know what word, what word to use, but he's like, he'd be hesitant to put on this symbol. And I was like, you know, basically the idea of the, the stars and stripes. And I'm like, you realize that thousands of, of black men and women join the military every year. And they swear allegiance to to uphold the Constitution and all of these things, and yeah. and they're serving this country faithfully. 
what in what world would a would a soldier who already wears a uniform then be hesitant to put on another uniform that represents the country? He already does. And he was already proud of it. And it's like you're you're ruining the character for the sake of stupidity and you're not thinking about who this person would be in real life because a person that many years who's been that dedicated to serving his country doesn't just like oh, I hate my country now. It usually doesn't happen that way. Yeah. It's, so it's sad politics have to be brought into everything other than politics right and, and in such a bad way too well polit politics in something done right or used as an element to put characters in a certain position can be real done really well you think about something like firefly uh that mm -hmm. show where uh, it really has a political basis these were people that fought in a, a rebellion or a revolutionary war against this regime and they've lost and now they're out on the fringes trying to find freedom and trying to avoid things and there's political aspects to that and there's political themes to it but it's not done in such a way as to just bash you over the head with it right right you know that's what i hate a lot of stuff you know a lot of the comic books i've picked up recently uh well not a lot of them but a few of them it's there's been you know slap your face crap in that. i mean it's like you're going to like this this way, and that's the way it is. Because if you think different, you're wrong. Well, everybody's got opinions. I don't care if you put your politics in your comics. Um, but, you know, do as a you know, small undertone, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Don't just force people to think that's the only way things can be. Um, I picked up Geiger, Image Comic Geiger. came out uh, a couple weeks ago. It's actually a good book about some kind of nuclear holocaust that happens. Nobody knows how it happened. But at the beginning, the guy that turns into this guy who survives the explosion, he's trying to get his family into a, a bunker. So I'm reading it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Then he goes out and gets the dog because the dog got away. So he comes back with the dog. Before he can get to the bunker with the rest of the family, he gets shot in the leg by this couple in a Mercedes. And when you see the couple, as soon as I saw the panel... It was a, it's drawn just like that uh, picture everybody saw in the news last year from St. Louis, where yeah. I'm at. <laughs> it was them. You know, he's holding a gun. She's got her pistol. I'm like, really? I mean, it could have been anyone, but you had to go, you had to pick that. Right. Well, and like, I, my favorite novel of all time, which I have, I, I want to talk about in deep, in depth with somebody someday on this on this uh, Tales from the Silent Planet type of show. I just have to find somebody that likes it as much as me. Uh, it's called One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, and it's by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who is a Russian writer who won the Nobel Prize for Literature, if you didn't know. He's, he's pretty cool. Uh, but he, he was in the gulags, and this book is about a man in the gulags in Soviet Russia. Obviously, it's, it's, oh, it's inherently political. It is... It is about a guy in a Soviet gulag. It's a criticism of the Soviet Union. It's, it, I mean, it's an, an indictment. And he would go on later to do more work about that stuff. But it is about Ivan Denisovich. It's about his life in that day. It's from his point of view, the things he thinks, all of these things. And it's, it's not done in such a way to make every single Soviet into this caricature of evil. It's not done in such a way as to make their, you know, well, I'm just going to put my put my opponents in this mold of this caricature and I'm just going to paint them as totally corrupt because he didn't believe that. Um, 
it, it reminds me I've been reading the book lately by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl was in was a Jew in the Holocaust. He was in Auschwitz and he was in uh, uh, some other concentration camps. And oh dear God, more and than uh, he, yeah, and <laughs> he he survived. Obviously, wrote the book and. He was a he was a psychiatrist, and what he he writes in there: if you said that stuff and you put somebody else's name as having quoted, they say, "Oh, that's a Nazi said that." Because what he said was there there is only two two races of men: decent men and indecent men. And he said there were there were indecent. This is Victor Frankel, a Jew, and that was in the Holocaust. His wife and his family all like all every member of his family except for I think one sister died. His wife was murdered. Terrible, horrible things happened to this man, and he said that there, there were indecent Jews in the concentration camps who would sell out their fellow Jews to, so that they could live another day. And there were, yeah. and there were German, German soldiers who were decent men who, tr who in these terrible times tried to do what they could. And it's like, right. that's the reality of the world. The world is not, it's, it's, it's not, not black and white. Yeah. And <laughs> to paint, to paint, Jordan Peterson as the red skull, Jordan Peterson's the red skull. And my opponents are, are evil, evil Nazis. It's like, even even people who were in the Holocaust, who were who were persecuted, didn't think the way that you're thinking and you're putting in your work. So maybe, maybe just you might consider that when you write your comic that you aren't you aren't good and they aren't totally evilly corrupt. They're not only doing evil all the time. Mm. Well, nobody's allowed to have opinions anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because if you think differently than someone else, you're wrong, and you're a Nazi because you think differently. Because right? you want people to make their bed and, and clean their room. Uh, I think you know. I'm, I'm 50 years old. I don't remember the 80s, 70s, even the 90s being like this. No. Well, I watched an interview the other day with Roger Ebert and Cisco. Was really interview. They were just talking about film criticism, and they were talking about political correctness and how it was the it was death to the critic. They said. Mm that you cannot be politically correct and and criticize anything you have to be you have you like political correctness is death to yeah. art and to criticism and they were right but i have a feeling that that same if roger ebert was alive today he hadn't died of horrible cancer uh absolutely horrible cancer he would be he would not be saying those same things because of the way that the cultural the culture shifted where mm those same types of those same cultural elites who were in those positions fighting against their version of censorship from a more conservative, you know, a traditional or conservative point of fighting against those people trying to censor them. They would turn around once they gain the power and, be, and they have turned around and said, you know what, that type of any type of view that isn't in line with what we think is wrong. And it's like, well, that's just the same politically incorrect talk you were talking about, but it's from the other, the other point of view. Right. And, it's really sad to see that because this that wasn't that long ago that people of that uh, from that perspective were championing championing uh, free speech and the ability to to yeah. speak out for what you believe in even if it's politically incorrect. So it, it's sad to see things have shifted and things have gotten more overtly and uh, 
They're, they're more, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. When it comes to politics and they put them in their art, they're just bad a lot of the time. And you go back and, and things were political, but they were actually good stories and they were good films. And they were good. There was good acting going on, regardless of whether or not it was political. And now right. it's, that's the agenda is what they're pushing first. And now, oh, do you have inclusion? Do you have diversity? It's not so much that those things are in there. It's how they do it, which is bad. It's not good. Hey, you know, and if you like that stuff, I got Ozma in my book. She used to be a boy, so she's transgender. Uh-oh. <laughs> What's Frank Baum, man? Uh, it's, uh, there's, there's just so much of it in your face now. And, and it, like I said, you know, I'm going to be 50 this year. I don't remember it being that way, but I do remember political movies and poli- news stories and all that. But it was more, I think people, it was actually research stuff, though. Right. People actually researched what was going on, looked into it, reported on it instead of giving you their opinion on it and most of the news now and what you people believe is just all opinion based there's no fact behind it right and that's what something that i think stands out when people do take the time to research something they do take the time to try to get things accurate uh whether it's in fiction or in non-fiction work it stands out and um i i think that that the independent movement, not just in comics, but the ability to speak independently of some corporation, some oversight board or something, has hopefully, hopefully it will continue, but it has allowed for people who are willing to do the hard work to actually get their stuff out there and see and, and not have people censoring them. And that, that, that is good, but I think there's a lot, of, a lot to be done to, uh, yeah. to keep it going. Uh, so we've got some commenters down here oh, and they're, sure. they're, they are not so sure about this black and white. They're suspect about it. They're, they're not sure that you're the, uh, the real Eric Hawkins. Um, I don't know. They're well, I've so got to sure. be the real Eric Hawkins. So look, look, look back. Here's my little banner. I take to my comic cons. Uh, there's a cover I colored for, uh, Miss Vicky and her cutie commandos. I drew that, uh, that cover right there as a sketch cover. There's a who who else is gonna have Zombie World of Oz comics on their wall? That's a good point. No one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Or have one right here on their desk. (laughs) Well, I have something from Zombie World of Oz. There we go. I have Zombie World of Oz stuff right here. Yeah. And uh, here we go. So I in your in your newest campaign, you actually offered a a perk campaign perk. To back where you get the book and no extras and i was no, like oh that's awesome the stretch goals you do you yeah no, no stretch goals no stretch goals Those nothing people that don't want the crap which is me but then <laughs> one of your stretch goals was a behind the scenes book and i was like dang it no stretch goals so i got him back the stretch goals want to get all the crap i don't want yeah thanks a lot I Eric. To you on that too because you said you that's the stuff you like so. yeah ah oh, uh, i tease you with this but i'm gonna give you this but yeah man i if you guys haven't backed Eric's Eric's books in the past, you haven't given it a chance. I really think you ought to. And like we said earlier, you can go to Webtoons and you can find, you can read the first issue and you can you can get an uh, an idea for it of uh, of what it's yeah. like and it, whether or not you're going to like it. And I think you will. I don't. What's funny is Eric's book rep, represent a lot of things that I generally don't like. I generally don't like zombies. I generally don't like serialized comics where I have to wait to read them. I want to just get it at the end. But Eric manages to convince me 
to <laughs> to uh to buy the books regardless of those general things that i like because he's actually making a quality book that's enjoyable book to book and well i thought about trying well okay issue four is definitely gonna be a standalone story uh i thought about maybe trying to do that in the future books make them you know they're a story arc but they're more standalone stories mm -hmm. within the story arc because yeah i you know wait a year I forget what I wrote in the last one. You know, I got, right? That's why I've got number two here. Okay, what did I, I say? Like, oh, let me look at that. Oh, okay, okay, yep, okay. <laughs> so what is uh, what is the Stone Door? What's all that about? So Stone Door Comics, what's that? Stone Door Studios. Um, oh, got my shirt here, too. Oh, Stone Door oh look Studios. at that. <laughs> so um, obviously I had to come up with some kind of name for my comic book company or publishing. And... Um, my whole family's from Tennessee. I wanted to kind of, you know, pay homage to that. And the mountain, well, the mountain range they're in is, uh, they're on Mont Eagle Mountain. If you've watched Smoking the Bandit, that's, they, that mountain is in the first song of the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a park there called Stone Door. I thought it sounded cool. I played around with the logo a bunch. Took some pictures of Stone Door. Went out there and took pictures. Found pictures on the internet. And it just never looked right. Until I did the retro cover for last year, and I, I kind of copied the old EC logo and made that my Stone Door logo. But that's that's where Stone Door comes from. It's uh, Tennessee. Awesome, man. So we're, we're we're reading uh, Baby Bear, Baby Bear. What do you see? Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good one. He was saying all the animal names as best he could. Yeah, man. I I like seeing all these different guys come up with the. Uh, a company, a little logo to, to put on their books. And I think that's the most enjoyable part. I've always, I was like the DC logo when I was growing up or they're seeing mm, yeah, these various yeah. branding things. So I, like I, like, Oh, I got a different type of a, a show I can do on my channel. Totally different branding. It's going to, it's going to look totally different. I'm going to have this and that. That's right. I love that <laughs> making those things, even if I'm terrible at it. So Eric, what is, uh, what is something that you can recommend to people right other than your book? Other than your book, I mean, let's not let's not be self-serving here. That you would recommend to people right now that they should go out and pick up. Other than Gary Shipman, who everybody should always buy Gary Shipman. Always that Gary Shipman. Uh, um, Jason Robinson's a spectacular artist and uh, uh, Secret Comics presents on Indiegogo right now. Uh, Luke Stone has just launched uh, his new book. It's a uh, hybrid Sons of Gods. I think this one's the Killing Fields Part Two of One. Uh, he's he's got this is be like his eighth book or something. So is it about Pol Pot then? Uh, it's just a deep dive. Let's go on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Actually, his trade paperback. He did a trade of the first six issues for seven issues. I did six page six pages. No, four pages of art in that one yeah, to help him out. Um, what else is Avestry Three just launched? That's right. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good stuff out there, and I think. What I think people should do is they ought to look at these things, they ought to, to consider things they, they might not have uh, have previously considered. Just because mm -hmm. you know, the more the more broad you read, you might find something you like. Uh, definitely, yeah. definitely. I mean, why I've been picking up in comic book stores just and it's because I'm reviewing comics now, so I'm picking up more stuff than right. I have in years. I've been leaning away from Marvel and DC and trying to pick up. Uh, smaller studios now they don't always have the smaller studios of books i want to get when i get to the comic shop so i have picked up a lot of image and the image stuff is a lot different than it was in the 90s i mean there's a lot more horror related right. uh, fantasy stuff like that which is really cool so i'm really 
digging period stuff, uh, fantasy stuff, horror comics that I was never into in the 90s and 80s. Yeah, I when I go and buy comics nowadays, I'm usually looking for something interesting that's not superhero-related stuff, or I'm yeah. going back to... Because I never read... I didn't read a lot of the superhero comics when I was a kid. I didn't... I just Whatever was at the library or whatever somebody gave us, uh, you know, they didn't want any more. That was what I had, or Archie. That's what I read. And so a lot of the stuff, anything from before I was an adult, I, I didn't have a chance to read a lot of that stuff, so I go and pick that up. But when I get something new, it's most likely going to be something independent and interesting. You, you mentioned Jason Robinson. He's, of course, working with Nasser Rabadi on Secret Comics Presents. And I... I read Nasser's comics. He actually sent them to me, and oh. I read the, the, the first ones, uh, Stardust and Trixie Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually liked them. I oh. actually liked them. I think that because Nasser approaches it as a writer and not an artist, like a lot of people are trying to be both artist and writer, not that there's anything wrong with that, Eric, Yeah, yeah. is that he approaches it from a totally different side, which is horror-related. And it felt to me, I got the feeling of, like when you watch the twilight zone you know this anthology idea there's these little stories or you know and you watch some some horror anthology show when you were a kid and that's you're the baby crying in my head this time (laughs) and uh, i think that that's kind of cool about what nasser does is that they're they're totally different and it it does feel like it's in somewhat somewhat a twilight zone or an outer limits or something where you're getting uh, this little yeah. creepy thing and then you're done. It's complete. And, and you, there's no, Oh, I've got to wait to see what happens to uh, insert superhero's name here. No, it's, it feels complete. And so that's what I liked about that. Well, I've got, I got a book you might like that's funding right now. Um, it's on Kickstarter. It's called grim one Oh one. I do know the creator. Uh, he does all watercolor. Uh, it's an. It, he describes it as an illustrated dark comedy romance with a supernatural twist. Well, there you go. And uh, it's by Ted Davies, and Ted Davies is uh, he kind of reminds me of you a bit. Uh, Handsome, like smart, it. intelligent. <laughs> I'm actually very smart, very intelligent. Uh, I was on his show. Uh, he wanted to do a Star Wars show with me because we both launched our books about the same time. He launched the day before me, and he funded in a day, so he's already funded too. And then I fund it, and but he wanted to do it like a Star Wars special because we're the same age too. And I said, "Well, I work Tuesday. I, if they catch me streaming, <laughs> they're going to fire me." <laughs> he goes, "Well, you want pre-recorded on Saturday?" I'm like, yeah, we did that. So we got on, and I, I got some. I put some of my Star Wars stuff behind me here. There I had go. my big Darth Vader mug. <laughs> we talked Star Wars. We talked my book. We talked his book. But uh, it's it's Grim One Hundred and One. It's on Kickstarter. It's a very. I mean, he's funded. He's already got forty five backers. Eighteen hundred dollars. Uh, uh, he, the only thing he doesn't have a lot of art on it, but he's doing live streams of him painting the book and drawing the book, which is really cool. You can catch that if you follow him on uh, Facebook or uh, uh, YouTube as well. But it is very cool. The, the, well, the art I've seen looks really good, and especially the the cover he he, he shows. It just drew my attention right away because it's very stylistic as well. Where my my art, I'll admit. My art's comic book art. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing stylistic about it. It's comic book art. <laughs> well, it's like I... 
I mean, you well, you look, you see the zombie right there. I'm like, oh, it's basic comic book art. Dude. Hey, man, that, that that when the story is good, it doesn't matter. That's the thing. Yeah. I I will maintain. Like, you go back and you read some of these image things, and this has got me in trouble with people in the past. When I re- when I did Image Comics Week and I reviewed a bunch of the old image stuff, and everyone was like, oh, you don't understand Wildcats. You don't get Gen. Th- oh, I actually like Gen 13. Uh, you don't get whatever young blood. I was like, oh my word, these things are terrible, man. I could barely read them. That the art is secondary to to the story. If the story's no good, it doesn't matter if it has the best art in the world. Like it's pretty pictures, but I'm never gonna read it again. And no. we're gonna read Baby Bear, Baby Bear. What do you see again? Okay. Let's see if people can see it. I you need to see it, don't you? Baby Bear, Baby Bear. What do you see? I see a red fox slipping by me. Red fox, red fox, what do you see? I see a flying squirrel gliding by me. Flying squirrel, flying squirrel, what do you see? I see a mountain goat climbing near me. Mountain goat, mountain goat, what do you see? I see a blue heron flying by me. Blue heron, blue heron, what do you see? I see a prairie dog digging by me. Prairie dog, prairie dog, what do you see? I see a striped skunk strutting by me. Striped skunk, striped skunk, what do you see? I see a mule deer running by me. Mule deer, mule deer, what do you see? I see a rattlesnake sliding by me. Rattlesnake, rattlesnake, what do you see? I see a screech owl hooting at me. Screech owl, screech owl, what do you see? I see a mama bear looking at me. Mama bear, mama bear, what do you see? I see a red fox, a flying squirrel, a mountain goat, a blue hair, and a prairie dog, a striped skunk, a mule deer, a rattlesnake, a screech owl, and my baby bear looking at me. That's what I see. I see my baby bear looking at me. All right, baby bear. He pointed to every i said where's this where's this and he could point to every oh so you animal. can point to every animal now he knows all the animals he gets oh. smarter every single day uh yeah man i think james mommy will read that here mommy's gonna read this book go we'll see mama yeah man i think that there's a lot of good stuff out there and people should just try things out if you don't like it don't have to don't have to uh you don't have to buy the person's next comic. Oh, Buddy, I'm doing yeah. things. Yeah. A lot of people got digital levels. I mean, if you're a little worried, back a digital level, see what it looks like. If what? Spent five bucks. I think he's suitably far away now. Uh, he does not. He wants me to be done. So we've been going an hour. I think it's it's time to, to to wrap up. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching. We had a ton of people in here. A lot of the usual is talking. Uh, if you've got a comment, we'll go another uh, 10 minutes or so. If you've got a, a comment you'd like to uh, get read or a question for Eric, Go ahead and, and throw that in the chat, and we'll we'll take those questions now. Yeah. So I want you guys to uh, get your opportunities if you have anything that you would like to to say. We don't just end with uh, with the ba- with the baby bear story, <laughs> which is fun. I grant you. Um, I'll try to scroll up, see if anything anybody's asked anything. Uh, they're probably mocking me. They probably saw me a few, you know, months back and go, "Hey, wasn't your beard white?" Uh, see that they didn't know. They didn't know that you that oh, you. Oh, you're in black and white, but it's it's dark and black and that's white. That's true. If it was its natural color, still, <laughs> it would look weird. 
Let's see. I don't see anybody asking questions. So apparently, let's see. Jeff Potts says, I'd like to ask a question, but no one likes my questions. I'm sorry. Ask the question. <laughs> Come on, Jeff Potts. He's probably going to be like, oh, what did you think of Iron Man 3? I love it. Which, it's a fi- which I always say this. this was, I did a, a video game podcast that was, was gaining steam before, <laughs> before uh, the baby came, and then we had to sort of put the show on indefinite hiatus, and it's never quite returned in the same way. But I did a, a fairly decently listened to podcast about video games and my sign off for it i said was play the games the way you want to play them basically don't don't care what other people think about what you like if you like a a movie or you like a comic book or you like a video game and you enjoy playing that and you don't enjoy playing other things you don't have to just because you like one comic book doesn't mean you have to like all the comic books just because you like one Star Wars movie doesn't mean you have to like all of Star yeah. Wars. And because other people didn't like it doesn't mean you can't like it. I will tell you a Star Wars movie I actually like. I don't think it's as bad as everybody says, as long as you don't think it's about Han Solo. Uh, Solo is just a movie. I kind of dig it. I could, but if you think it's Han Solo, I hate that. I could have, I've tried multiple times to watch it, and I stop about... It's the same with... As a Falcon Winter Soldier, ten minutes in, I was done. I was like, All right, I'm, I'm out of this. I, I didn't mind it as long as I didn't think about being yeah, just, uh, not just, so, not just, a, just a caper movie uh, in the Star Wars universe. Uh, all right, so there, there are some questions being thrown in here. Andrew asks, "What is the biggest draw of the Oz universe?" So I think, oh, what is the, the biggest uh, draw factor that, that drew you in, or you think will draw people in? I guess would be the, the question. <laughs> um. I think it's the, uh, you know, it's the it's the the trilogy of characters, the main heroes, mm-hmm. the the Tin Man, who 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 ha- requires to have heart, the Scarecrow with he needs his brains, and you know the the Lion that needs courage, and uh, I think that that's what brought people. That's what people mostly remember about the, the mm-hmm. movie, right? And that's what I think they remember about the characters in general. So I mean, that, that's it's those three things in right. those three characters more so than dorothy i think and then i draw dorothy in the bustiers <laughs> that draws a bit all right so we've got we've got another question here from uh, mr dillard draws uh, i know him so he says i have a question for mr eric hussein hawkins why won't you show us your birth certificate oh well i'll tell you right now i was born in detroit michigan in july oh. 9th 1971 well thank god you escaped that hellhole Oh yeah, All I'm right. outside St. Louis and live in Illinois now. Yeah, uh, yeah this poor guy, this poor fellow here is a is a Lions fan. Everyone, so pray for him. He's never had a winning. He's had a one winning season in thirty years, and uh, oh, we've <laughs> had more than we've had like four. Oh <laughs> uh, well, we're 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 sitting pretty over in Titletown until uh, until Aaron Rodgers leaves. When uh, Wayne summer. Fonts was still the coach, they said we're going to fire Wayne Fonts if you guys don't make the playoffs again. They make the playoffs, lose the first game of the playoffs. <laughs> Nice. Then they finally fired him. That sounds about right. A couple years doing that, they didn't carry one. All right, so Jeff Potts has a question. He says, okay, which is better, the Captain Marvel movie or Iron Man 3? Oh, God. I haven't seen Captain Marvel, so I wouldn't know. I've seen it. I don't watch every Marvel movie that comes out, guys. I don't don't care. Uh, Okay, uh, um... I really can't pick one that's better, but I have seen bits (laughs) and pieces of Iron Man 3 multiple times since i've watched it and i've only watched captain marvel once so there you go there's his answer i think he's leading towards iron man 3 and uh i'll go ahead and vote iron man 3 because i 
It's inevitably better than something I haven't seen. Well, Ben Kingsley, I mean, even though he's not the character you wanted to be, he's pretty funny in it, especially when they, you know, uh, they start finding out he's the actor. So, so Iron, yeah, Iron Man 3 is better than Captain All right. Marvel. Let's see. We've got some more questions in here. I think uh, Andrew wants to know, how do you feel about Motor City Dan Campbell? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, I moved away when I was two. There you go. Uh, Dillard's found us out. He says uh, that I didn't demand proof. Why am I covering for Eric Hussein Hawkins? How much are you paying me? Uh, actually, I'm paying him for this comic, which you guys should go support. The link's in the description. As always, guys, thank you so much for watching. If you haven't subscribed to my other channels... Fly, obviously this is Flybox Pro. Uh, upon the Chaos political channel, go ahead and hit which the is very fun to watch, very entertaining. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, have good liked news, it. I like it. I like it. There you go. Rec highest recommendation from Eric Hawkins here, and then Coin A Geek, which is a, a video game channel that I run with my friend Elliot. Those are two channels where you can get more Flyfox Pro content. I mean, just distilled into uh, video games and political format. I, somebody said the other day I was I was streaming on Coin A Geek. I was playing a video game. We were taught this person was watching. And they said we were sort of having a conversation. And I said, "Yeah, Fly Fox Pro is sort of just you know I don't really know what, what it's all about, but these other channels have a more distinct identity." And they said, "Oh, that's a personality channel. It's you." And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds about right. I can just do whatever I want, and people accept that. At least this this core audience of of about ten to, to thirteen people, depending on if I have an interesting topic, they." Uh, they'll watch so thanks everybody for joining us today again if you haven't backed eric's comic go ahead and do it and you are going to be launching an indiegogo campaign as well uh, right i'm not actually going to launch an indiegogo. What i'm going to do it will be available on indiegogo okay my uh in demand store from issue two is still open so i'm taking down all the stuff that's on there and putting up issue three stuff all right so that guy, that is going to be available after the kickstarter yes, campaign is kickstarter. done if you guys are what some of these people that don't like to support kickstarter and you only want to use indiegogo it will be available in a different avenue and I, here's why i'm doing that everybody told me after issue one well if you would have had an indiegogo i would have backed it so issue two i launched kickstarter and the indiegogo it took 30 days on Indiegogo to raise the amount of money I raise in two hours on Kickstarter. There you go, man. And I struggled to even get the goal there. So that sounds like a, a good opportunity for people. And I'm sure, you know, you could probably just message Eric and say, hey, I'd like to buy this. How much How much do I pay you directly? Wow, and I'll send you a check. And he'll, he'll do it now. All right, guys. people do that. There you go. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. We'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I don't we'll, need to have a book to come on. We can talk about that's it. That's right. We will talk about uh, we'll talk about Star Wars. Yeah, that's Star Wars. That's right.